Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. Back to the series that we're in, Chainbreaker. Just so you know, today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 and Malachi chapter 3. So if you have your Bible with you and, or whatever your device is, you want to mark one place and, and be ready to flip to the other one, you can go ahead and go in there. But again, we're in the series called Chainbreaker. And as I, when I gave this before, I gave the series, it was called Set Free, and we just changed the name this time, and I don't know why we do that. We just do. <laughs> so get over it. Um, but it's chain breaker this time. And we've been talking about believers being in bondage. And of course, in order to get freedom, you have to first realize you can be in bondage. If you don't realize you're in bondage, you're not gonna get, you're not gonna get free, okay? You have to be able to acknowledge that. And we've been talking about these, these open doors to the enemy. And last week, I gave you the example that many times what we do in our lives is, and this is figuratively speaking, we, we walk up to the door, we look through the peephole, and we see somebody out there that's clearly, or something going on, that clearly we know is not for us. We see these three guys, one's got a, a shotgun, the other one's got a club. Maybe the other one has a knife or something, and we see this going on. We see these things happening in our life spiritually. We look at it. We unchain the door. We crack it open a little bit, and then we turn around and walk away. Okay? Sounds kind of ridiculous, doesn't it? Kind of a little bit of hyperbole there. And what I'm trying to tell you is spiritually, we do the exact same things. We know, we look at these events in our life and we realize that is not for me, that's not for me, this will probably be a problem for me, but you know what, I'm gonna open the door and let it happen anyway. And then we wonder why it comes into our lives. So what I wanna talk to you about is, well, remember, first of all, a couple weeks ago we talked about pride. Actually, I guess it was three, four weeks ago now, it was a while ago, we talked about pride. And this week I wanna talk to you about the first open door. Now, pride is the first open door that was opened by Satan. But this week, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the first open door that was opened by man, in other words, by Adam and Eve. And here it is. You're going to read about this. Uh, this is in 1 John 2, 16. It says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So I believe these are three major areas in which bondage has come in to our lives. In other words, the enemy has entered in through these areas. And again, we talked about pride before. This time we're gonna talk, today we're gonna talk about the lust of the eye. Next week we're gonna talk about the lust of the flesh. Those are the three areas. But remember when we talked about pride before, well, for, actually, do you remember this? I made this comment to you, that how many, I'm kind of shocked. Bless you. Should I? No, I won't, I'll just, I'll have some. Um, how many times I hear believers talk about how proud they are that they're not prideful? Okay. <laughs> uh, problem, problem. But we, again, we talked about this area of pride. We talked about pride in our own strength. We talked about pride in our own righteousness. And then we talked about um, pride in our own wisdom. Those are the areas of pride that, that we, we start to struggle with. In the same way that we talked about with that pride, 
I'm gonna show you three areas today in which I believe that the lust of the eyes come into our life and affect us. Now, I'll just tell you right now, I'll give you all three of the points, then we'll talk about them. We're gonna talk about greed, unbelief, and fear. Now, I think there's probably many of us in this room or they're watching online afterwards, you're sitting here thinking, but I wouldn't do those. Oh, really? Well, let's see, because I think we're gonna find that we all do this more than we think we do. Now we're in Genesis chapter three. Ready? Chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent, that Satan, was more cunning. No way of saying stealthy. He flew under the radar. Didn't see him coming. Than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, God, has God indeed said. Now I want you to notice something here right now. The very first thing he says, is, and he does, is he casts doubt on God's word. That's the very first thing he does. But I want you to sh- see how it goes from doubt to just outright denying. And we're going to watch the progression here. Has God indeed see, said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, now I want you to watch this very carefully. You will not surely die. Now he directly contradicts the word of God. First thing he does, he causes doubt, and then he contradicts it. I'm going to make you doubt. Now I'm going to tell you God's flat out lying. That's what he's saying. This happens for all of us. We all have times in our life where we start to doubt God, and then when we don't get an answer of some sort that we want, we start to act out in ways that clearly show that we just flat out don't believe him. I was not only to doubt you, I don't think you're right. When Julie and I were recently out in California, we actually started to see this the last time we went. It really came um, to be obvious that this time around But we have family and we have friends out there. And some of these people have been through Bible college and had a long walk with the Lord for a long time. And we've watched them in an area of their life go from being faithful believers to doubting. And now, in an area of their life, now they flat out disagree with the word of God. And, and the reason why is, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make anything personal about them, but I want you to see how this happens in areas of our lives. And more, and just, I'm going to give you one example, but this happens in a lot of areas. What's interesting is, is in both of these scenarios, and, and I'm giving you examples from these people, but you, you probably all know people like this. What happened was they have children in their lives. They have decided they're confused about their sexuality. And I can only imagine the parent who's raised a child biblically and raised them in the church and they get to be older and the child walks away from the belief. I can only imagine some of the confusion in the parents like, what happened? Why is it they're struggling now? We never taught them this. And it becomes what their child is wanting and what the parent's faith belief is, is doing this. And so what we saw in the progression is we saw with these people 
that they, the first time we talked to them, we could start to see the doubt creeping in. But, but what if they were, and they would say, born that way. It was the what ifs. And, and, and the agony they're dealing with is, I've got a child who I love, and I know that this is the truth, but if I, if I stay true to the truth, I'm going to push the child away, and they're going to feel rejected. Well, here's the problem. The truth is actually really inconvenient, isn't it? Because we have to live with it. Matter of fact, I think John Adams said something like that. I think it's a quote from him. It says, the, the truth, reality, facts are terrible things because you, you, they're the truth. So what happens is people, when, when things become uncomfortable, they decide, well, maybe that's not the truth. So we saw the doubt, well, what if, and, and, and I don't understand. We, we saw the verbiage going from that, and suddenly it changed. We were out there this last time to where they were flat out saying, the word of God is wrong. And, and, then when you, and then when you push further and try to get them to explain to you why the word of God is wrong, you know what you get? Not going to talk about it. Well, the reason why they do that is because they know they can't defend what they're saying about the word of God being wrong. What they do at that point is they, they cut you off. Okay? So what I'm trying to tell you is I give you an example of this, this sexuality confusion, because there's, we know there's a lot of confusion in our society about that, but even, as I, even though I give you that example, I don't want you to think that's the only topic that people get confused on. It's not. We get confused about a lot of things. But the same thing happens for us is that the enemy opens a door in our life where you and I start to doubt something because we don't understand why it's not happening the way we think it should happen. Pastor Chris talked about this last week. And because there's a doubt and I can't get the, the answer that satisfies my heart, that makes me comfortable, well, what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to build the wall. And this is what Satan has done right here is he, he went from causing uh, Eve to doubt, give her a doubt, make her start to look twice, to just flat out saying, God didn't say that. God didn't say that. And again, we're talk a little bit in this message about everybody's favorite topic, tithe. Now, you know I did a whole series this last year on, on the blessed life, uh, which is a lot of material. Of course, I got, you know that. I, I got it from Robert Morris, probably the healthiest um, teaching I've ever heard on tithe. But the series, it talks about the tithe, but the whole series isn't about tithe. It's about the, the giving, the revelation of, of, being, of, of being created in God's image where we're givers. Remember, we, we give because our creator gave. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. All right? And we see him giving right from the get-go in Genesis chapter 1. He gives, and we're creating his image, and he wants us to catch that revelation of giving. So we're going we're gonna to talk about some of the stuff to do with the tithe today, and probably in ways that you've never really thought about this when you hear the, the garden story. But it's amazing to me how many preachers and other leaders will actually say something like, well, if you don't tithe, you won't be cursed, but you will be. You will be. And they'll actually contradict the word of God, which is interesting because it's the exact same thing Satan does. It's the exact same thing. They'll say, oh no, God didn't mean that, although he said that. And then they'll give their spin on why they think he didn't mean that. Unfortunately, I think what's happening with a lot of pastors, and we've all seen this, we've seen pastors abuse people when it comes to the tithe. And, and, and that's a reality. Um, 
We see it in Jesus going into the temple. And, and the people were being robbed. Well, that was being tolerated by the, the church leadership. People were being robbed. They were being abused. So it's no, things are not any different now than they were in the time of Jesus. But people also make their own choices that they're going to steal from God. So it's, it's both people and where they are in their heart, and it's also church leadership. And that's the reason why I'm uh, so adamant about making certain that we are taught well and taught well here. That we don't give so that we can get. We get to give. And, and I've told you before, we are, the principle is that we become rivers of blessing to other people, other people and not just reservoirs where we just gimme, 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 gimme. Okay, and it stays for us. So let me show you this in verse five. It says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Now again, we're talking about the lust of the eyes. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Again, I told you this before, Satan's strategy isn't to turn you into a bad person. It's simply just to get you to doubt God's word, to say things like, well, that isn't for today. That's all he's got to get you to do because you'll start walking in disobedience. But Eve sees that it's pleasant to the eye. Now, many people believe that that was the only tree that was pleasant to the eye, but it wasn't. They all were. Let me show it to you. Genesis 2.9. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree, in other words, all of them, all of them, grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. It's pleasant to the sight. They were all pleasant. There was nothing different about any of them. They were all just as pleasant to look at and could be just as desirable. There was no difference in them. But Satan convinced her, yeah, but there's something different about that one. He draws her attention to it. He says something about, is different about that one. Now, this word pleasant, by the way, let me give you another, some other definitions. Ready for this? Greed, lust, and desire. Those words can also be translated the same way. Or, or desirous. There was just something about that one that I've got to have. How many guys, don't raise your hand for the love of God, don't raise your hand. Um, <laughs> how many times before married or even after married, you look at another woman and thought, oh, there's just something about that one. Hello? I'm glad you didn't raise your hands. I was sitting there going, oh, we gotta deal with that one now. Okay. Listen, there, she thought there was just something about that tree that was gonna make her happy. That's what, that, that's what comes, and by the way, that's greed. That right there is greed. The reason why is because here's what she thought. God's holding out on me. And I'm trying to tell you, many believers, and maybe even some of you in this room right now have felt at times, hey, God's holding out on me. The enemy's got you convinced there's something he's trying to rob you of. That's what we think. And then we come along, we think things, well, uh, why would God, why would a loving God say you can have all of this, but you can't have that? Be because we think, again, he's holding out, holding out on us. And I'll be honest with you, it doesn't mean that you have to be an unsaved person or just newly saved. Let me tell you what happened to me when we were just out in California. 
The enemy is always knocking on this door. We were, we were staying uh, in the neighborhood where Julie's sister lives, one of her sisters, a very affluent neighborhood. I mean, these are nice homes. Most people around here be sitting here thinking, that's not a house, that's like a Taj Mahal. And all the cars in the neighborhood. What's the electric car that everybody likes? Teslas, Rolls Royce, Beamers, you name it, high dollar cars. I mean, these, these Range Rovers. But the houses are beautiful, nicely landscaped. All right, it's just, it's just gorgeous. You walk, we went for a walk every day and we're walking around just looking at these houses. I'm thinking, sitting here thinking, my goodness, what are these people, how did this, this many people have these kind of jobs? Because you know that the starting price is probably six, 700,000 on the houses easily, okay? And they're driving the cars. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. We were, taking this, we were taking this walk every day. We would walk out of our neighborhood. Sometimes we'd walk to a Starbucks, which was near. There's a Starbucks on every corner there. So we'd go to a Starbucks, okay, suffering for the kingdom of God, right? And at one point, I started, I shared this with Julie. I think I shared it with Pastor Chris later on too uh, this last week. Um, at one point, I was actually thinking, man, I wish I could live in a house like that. I wish I could drive those cars. That's what, and, 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 th- and then I'll, this is what well, I didn't share with them, any of them. And I'm gonna tell you right now, because I want you to understand this, this happens for me too. This thought actually crossed my mind at one point. If I wasn't pastoring a church in Utica, I bet I could have that. Where do you think that thought came from? I'm no different than anybody else. Because these things were what? They were desirous. And it can be people, places, or things. Okay. So again, I want you to listen to me really carefully here because we're going to talk about the tithing. But please, please, please hear me. You can close every other door in your life to the enemy. But if you leave that door open, he's going to come in. And you're going to find yourself in bondage in some area, probably in your finances. You're probably going to be that person that's sitting there going, I can never tithe because I don't have it. And if you wait until you have it, you never will. Because everything you have, your finances are cursed. And I know there are people, because the Lord has revealed them to me, that are dealing with physical sickness. They're in bondage to a spirit of infirmity. We've talked about that before because they're stealing from God. We're going to talk about this, and I'm going to be very, very clear in Scripture. You, one thing you will notice, and I hope you appreciate, is I, you will never see me take a single Scripture verse and make a theology out of it. Ask the tech arts team. They've had as many as 50 verses that they've had to enter, because I use a lot of Scripture throughout the week. And I do that so you understand I'm using the whole counsel of God. So I want to show you some stuff very clearly in scripture regarding tithe and in this story you may have never seen before but that was the first Adam that or first uh, open door that Adam and Eve actually opened up that was the first one the very first one and a lot of times you don't see it they took what belonged to God that's the tithe that's what they did he had all these trees now the scripture doesn't tell us how many there are I know there was only two of them. They probably, the garden probably wasn't as big as maybe some people think it is. I can't help but wonder, this again, this is just me, if there weren't 10 trees in the garden. And he said, they're all yours, but not that one. Not that one. That's mine. 
That's mine. God said you can have them all. Now, again, why would God do that? Why would God actually tell somebody you can do that? Well, the number 10, all through scripture, represents testing. I'm gonna show it to you. And he says, I'm gonna test you. Why does he wanna test you? To see how smart you are? Nope. He wants to test you because he's looking for a reason. He's literally searching for a reason to bless you. Isn't that great? Many people believe that God is always looking for a reason to be that cosmic ogre for you to do something wrong and then That's not who he is. He tests us because he's saying, please help me find a reason to bless you. And that's what he's doing all throughout scripture. So this number 10 always represents testing. Let me show some things to you. Uh, and, and And please, please do answer. How many plagues were there when God tested Pharaoh's heart? 10. It's okay, you can answer. It's a, please do. How many commandments are there? 10. How many times did God test Israel when they wandered in the desert? 10. This, this isn't hard, <laughs> just so you know. Okay. Uh, how many times were Jacob's wages changed? Y'all are doubting here. How, you hush. How many days was Daniel tested? 10. How many virgins are tested in Matthew 25? How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? Come on. How many disciples were there? 12. Somebody over here said 10. See, you just took a test. Okay? You just took a test. Okay, God is testing us. Okay. Did I use that one too recently? Evidently I did because he's going, it's coming. So he already knew where I was going with this, all right? <laughs> all right. Listen, God is testing us and he's testing you. Let me put it this way. Every two weeks or however often you're getting paid, he's testing you. He's testing you. And what he wants to do is he wants to see who you're gonna thank. Who are you gonna honor? Who are you going to thank and who are you going to honor? And are you going to believe that 90% with God's blessing is going to go further than 100%? See, what happens is most of us, we put more trust in our Texas Instruments made calculator than we do in the Lord of the universe. And that calculator says, this is the real number. And God is sitting there saying, my economy is not yours. And if you'll trust me, I'll bless you. Are you going to live by faith? Or are you going to live by what the enemy tells you? Now, uh, God represents uh, the tithe through the principle of the firstborn or first, first fruits. So let me show this to you. Exodus 13.2. Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast. Now watch this. It is mine. It's mine. He's very clear about this. In other words, you have to return to me first because it belongs to me. And that's what he's trying to tell them here. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. He's stressing the first. He's saying the first 10%. You don't count out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then give me the tenth one. You give me the tenth one. He's, he's very clear about this. He said, I want the first one. You, you don't sacrifice, you don't return to me 
the lamb that you don't want because it has a blemish on it. I want the first one. I want the first one. Not your leftovers, not your scraps. By the way, notice that he says, bring. He says, bring. And by the way, he doesn't say bring it to a television ministry. That's not first fruits. I'm not saying you don't give to television ministries. But that's not the tithe. That's the offering above and beyond. But the first fruits, he says, you bring. Don't send it off to missions. You bring. And here's the reason why. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Because it's his. You don't get to decide what happens with his. It's brought into the storehouse, and the people that the Lord puts in charge of the storehouse, they're responsible, and they have an accountability to it. That's biblical. That's Bible. I'm reading Bible to you here. No pastor wrote this. Okay? So notice it doesn't say give. It always says bring. It always says bring because it doesn't belong to you. Now listen to me. According to the Bible, there's only two things you can do with a tithe. You either bring it to God's house or you steal it. Those are the only two things you can do. That's the only thing you can do. This is why you can return it And you can't say, well, I want 5% here and I want 5% there because it's not yours. You can only return it. That's why I don't even like the term giving. You you can't give what you don't have. It's not yours. It's returning because it belongs to him. I've given this example before. Uh, Let's say I have a buddy. We're we're headed back out to California again, and I have a buddy who uh, is going to drive me. He's going to use my car and drive me over to Syracuse to the airport. I tell him, keep the keys, use the car, for the week that I'm gone and I'm, coming, and I'm gonna come back. And when I get back, this buddy meets me at the airport with a car. We drive back to town here and he says, oh, by the way, uh, Pastor Robert, um, you know what? Um, I've been thinking about this and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna give you this car. And he hands me the keys back. You ain't giving me nothing. That's my car. <laughs> but many of us do that with the tithe. Oh, God, I'm going to give it back to you. And he's sitting there saying, you're not giving me anything. You're returning to me what's mine. That's the principle behind this. But this is what happens when we say, oh, Lord, I'd like to give you the tithe. (laughs) No, no, you're not. You're not. And and again, that tithe, by the way, that word means a tenth. That's what it means, one-tenth. So every dollar, ten cents out of it. It's one-tenth, it's all through through scripture. And by the way, it's not law, and I'm gonna show it to you. The principle of tithe goes all the way back to the, it's not even Abraham. Because people say, well, the first time you read the word tithe, the principle goes all the way back into the garden. So, what happens right after the parents take what belongs to God? Watch what the children do. Genesis 4, 3. And in the process of time, these words are so important. They're very important because what it's saying is, hey, when he got around to it, when it's convenient for him. In other words, he didn't bring it first as soon as he got it. Just when it was convenient, he brought it. It came to pass that Cain brought an offering, the first fruit of the ground, to the Lord. Notice it doesn't say, I'm sorry, the first, the first of the ground of the Lord. It doesn't say first fruits. It just said he brought an offering just what he wanted when it was convenient. So I want you to see Cain's heart here, and this is what God's dealing with. Not just the fact that he took it, but the heart behind it. Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock 
and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now watch very carefully what God says to him here. So the Lord said, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, now watch, we've been talking about open doors. Here it is. Sin lies at the door. I gave you an example, didn't I? And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Again, that word desire, its desire is to rule over you. And again, one of the interpretations I gave, definitions for that word pleasant earlier. Remember, I talked about greed, desire. Remember what the other word was? Lust. Lust. Now, I was trying to figure out how far I wanted to go on this topic. I'm going to skim over it really quick. But you remember the story of Lot? And when the angels came to see Lot, the men of the town were beating down the door. Scripture uses the same word. Because they desired sexual relations with those angels. Think about this. Let me say it another way. They lusted after the angels. Okay, so let me say it another way. Sin lusts for you. Let me say it another way, and this is going to be very, very clear. Lust and sin, it's a sexual experience for the enemy. So next time you want to take a a ride on the sin train, think about that. That's how perverted he is. He lusts for you. Sin lusts for you. I told you I was going to say that strongly. And here's how he does it. Because this is the first sin. You take what belongs to God. And many times people don't understand that's what Eve did. And that's what Adam did. They took what belonged to him, and they were cursed, weren't they? That's what they did. And here's how we do it. We decide that we want something like a barbecue girl. So we take the tithe. Or I need a new car. Matter of fact, the last time I talked, and use this as an example, I didn't realize there was somebody in the church who just went and bought a new car and decided that they were gonna have the money for it because they decided who had been tithing, they took the tithe to make their car payments. And I happen to use this example. Guess who never came back after that? Not even one time. We, we, many people do this. And we've all probably done it to some degree. Hey, listen, I told you before, this is a principle I had to learn. I have not always been a tither. And I always struggled. I was one of those people that something was always breaking. It's like I could never get ahead. Well, because it was all cursed. Not just the 10%, but all 100% was cursed. Because I stole it all. Remember, 90% obedience in, God, in, in God's eyes is 100% disobedience to him. We don't get to choose. Let me show you in Leviticus. Here's what he says. And all... The tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it is holy. That word holy means set apart. It's set apart to the Lord. So number one was grief. Here's number two, unbelief. 
So why would a person not tithe when the Bible is so clear about it? Really, it's just simply because they just don't believe it's for today. They just don't. And it doesn't take long. I told you before, uh, only about 10% of Christians actually tithe. So we're not just talking about people in the world. We're talking about people who are in church week after week after week. Don't believe it. They don't believe it. They, they, and, and by the way, they're not bad people. And some of these people, are, they're, they're great people. And they, they would just honestly disagree with me, but they're, just, they're honestly wrong because Scripture talks about it. And again, I think one of the reasons why some pastors will do this is because they're afraid that they're going to lose people. And again, I've, we've, we've all seen the abuse in the church of this. So I, I get it. The church has been partly responsible for this. But then you have pastors like, well, because people get uneasy about it, they might quit coming to my church, like the example I just gave you. And so they're, they're more concerned about attendance numbers than the truth. But remember, it's the truth that will set you free. It's not attendance numbers. I don't care how big your church is. But they say, Pastor, I just simply don't believe it's for today. But I want you to notice it goes all through Scripture, way before the law. Now, some people argue that the word tithe, by the way, you'll hear this, that the word tithe doesn't appear in the New Testament. Let me tell you something. Uh, Tithe, the principle of tithing, is actually talked about in the New Testament eight times. Five times in one book. One time, it's in, look at this, red letters. So who said it? I'm not going to read it to you, but it's Matthew 23, 23 if you want to find it. Um, they'll also say, well, it's only in the Bible, it's only in the New Testament eight times. Well, hey, you know, the word steal is only in there 11 times, so is it okay to steal? I mean, some of the arguments I hear are just crazy. Well, adultery is only in there 15 times. Well, is it okay because it's only in there 15 times? I mean, just the nonsense that you hear from people, and what I can't figure out is, especially for a people a believer who's been saved with everything that the Lord's done for you, why would you put so much effort into trying to figure out how to not to give back to him what's his? I I don't get that. Even if it wasn't in there, why would you not want to? See, this is why I'm saying it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. And by the way, that's exactly what the Lord wants. He's not looking for your money. He doesn't need your money. The world and the fullness of the earth are his. He wants your heart. But he knows that heart is attached to your wallet, okay? By the way, the virgin birth is in the Bible only twice. So we're gonna sit there and say, well, again, it's just crazy. So I'm gonna show you a couple of scriptures here. Remember, the first goes to God. Uh, God says, bring all the gold and silver into, you know, from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Now, why did he do that? Well, you have to remember, they're going into the promised land, and Jericho was what? The first what? City. That's the reason why he says all the spoils, gold, silver, everything comes here. So here it is in Joshua 6.19. But all the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated. Again, that means set apart to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury. Again, the treasury represents the temple of the Lord. Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them for they have even taken some of the accursed things. Okay, listen, what was accursed? It was that 10%. So so he's saying it's cursed. You take it, it's cursed. Now watch this. And have both stolen and deceived. Now how can it be stolen unless it belongs to somebody else? 
Who does it belong to? Well, he told them beforehand. Again, it's theft. They have also put it among their own stuff. Now watch, I told you you're gonna open up a door very clearly. Verse 12, therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become what? Doomed to destruction. That sounds like a curse to me. He's being very clear with them. And he was telling them, I want to bless them, but they stole. They took what's mine. They took what's mine. And God wants to bless you. He really does. I, 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 know, I've lived, I know it's not only just scripturally true. I know it from our own lives. I've told you the story. I don't want to go into it this time because we're, we're running behind already. But again, he cannot and will not bless a thief. <laughs> I can't say it any more clearly than that. Just remember, look at this. God starts with a G. God gives. Satan starts with an S. Satan steals. So you're most like God when you give. You're most like Satan when you steal. Matthew 3, 7 says this. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Now look at me for a second. This word, um, ordinance, literally means ordinary principles. In other words, what he's saying is it's an ordinary principle for my people to return my tithe to me. It's as ordinary to do that as it is for a cow to moo. It's an ordinary principle. That's what they do. That's just what they do. But the, again, this principle goes all the way back to the garden. I told you before, it's New Testament, it's in red. I'll tell you again, Matthew 23, 23. If you want to see it in red letters, there it is for you. Verse seven, continue. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts, but... You said, in what way shall we return? Now, I want you to watch what God says. And again, this is not my word or some other preachers. This is what he says. Will a man rob God? And I want you to notice how many times you actually see the word rob or some form of this word rob. Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what ways have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? You are cursed, so again, this isn't Pastor Robert telling you this. I'm showing you in scripture with a curse. Why? For you have done what? Robbed me, even this whole nation. And, and by the way, uh, I told you before, being in law enforcement, being a cop down in Texas, there's a difference between theft and robbery. Theft is simply when somebody steals something from you. Robbery is when there's a threat of violence. Isn't it interesting that somehow or rather the Lord sees us and you're not just taking, there's something violent about it. Remember, the enemy, who's a thief, is at war with God. God's not at war with him. And God's not at war with you. But when we're fallen, we're at war with him. It's a one-sided war. But I want you to see, he sees us on your part. Verse 10, bring all. Now that's 10%. It's not two, it's not three, it's not five. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The one thing I love about Reimagined Church, there's food in this house. There is spiritual food in this house. And sometimes people don't realize it or not, but I'm here to tell you, you're being fed well. And that's happening because I can boast on you I've told you before, the bulk of our people tithe. I shared with a pastor when I was out in California, the percentage of our people that are tithe, you should have seen his mouth fall open. He's like, you're kidding me. 
I said, nope. <laughs> Your church might be bigger, mine's better. So, no, I didn't say that to him, but you know, just, well, maybe I did. <laughs> I don't know. He probably got the message. Anyway, and try. Uh, the ties in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try. This word actually means test. So remember I told you he's testing you? He's actually giving you an opportunity on this subject to test him. He said, you test me. And it's the only place in scripture he tells us to do that. I would think he's gotta be real confident in his ability to answer and take this test. And try, me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. How would you like to have that problem? Oh, y'all liars. How would you like to have that problem? Such blessing that your bank account can't hold it. Okay, uh, that, your fi- that, that your physical health, your spiritual health can't hold everything that the Lord wants to give you. And he's telling you, try me on this. But most of us won't do this. I don't get it. Well, I do because I was a dumb dumb who did that. But now that I know the truth, I don't, that, that's what I don't get. To know the truth and just choose, eh, not me. And... And, so verse 11, so what he's kind of saying is, listen, and if you'll buy right now, and if you want to talk about closing the door, here's what he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. I'm gonna rebuke the devourer. I'm gonna make certain that the wash machine doesn't keep breaking down. How many of you ever noticed that? It seems like just as you get some money, Something happens. A meteor strikes in upstate New York for the first time in 50 years, and it hit your house. Really? I mean, it feels like that, okay? He says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. In other words, I'm going to close the door to Satan's attacks in your life. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Man, would I love people to look at me and look at my life and say, that man is blessed. And it's fun to watch. And I know people, I know people and I know of people who got this principle in their life, and I keep hearing about the blessing in their life, I'm not jealous of that at all. I'm like, go, go. Because I know the other side of the story as well. They're not only being blessed, they have a lifestyle of constantly blessing. It's like, that's kingdom principle. They They didn't catch a revelation of getting, they caught a revelation of giving. And that's what God is trying to get us to do. That's the reason why he wants to bless us. So we will turn and mimic him. Look, here's point number three. Here's the third one, fear. Fear. Luke 23, two. Then Satan entered Judas. That just shows right there, Satan can enter human beings. So if anybody wants to argue with me on that, I'm first I'm gonna ask you to do is please help me understand why the Bible says that. Then we'll move on from that point. 
surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the 12. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. I, 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 just, I felt the Lord just say something to me. Many of you think I'm talking about the tithe. I'm giving you an example today of the tithe. I want you to understand what I'm talking about. We've been talking about greed, unbelief, and fear, and that transfers over many other areas in your life besides just the tithe. I'm using the tithe because it's the first open door that humans opened. So some of you are probably sitting here thinking, I'm tithing, but I want you to, I just felt the Lord say, some, there, some people here that are tithing, but you've got greed, unbelief, and fear in other areas of your life. So there, there's that. Okay, here we go. Verse five. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. I'm sorry, did I read verse four? Let me go back and read verse four. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. Okay, was there an open door in his life? Yep, I think it was fear. And I'll tell you here in a minute why I think it was fear. Then six days after the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, now out of the bunch of the heart, the mouth speaks, okay? Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? By the way, that's about a year's wages. This was some expensive stuff, okay? And given to the poor. I'm here to tell you, he didn't care a thing about the poor, hear about the poor. Now watch very carefully. Then he said, not that he cared for the poor. Ta-da, there it is. Where'd I get that from? But because he was a thief. Who else is a thief? Mm -hmm. And had the money box. In other words, he had the offering box. He was carrying the offering box with him. And he used to take what was put in it. He used to take the money out of the offering box. Now, I don't believe there's any of you in here that would actually walk up to any one of these offering boxes and take money out of it, money that belongs in the tithing box. I don't believe you do that. But let me ask you something. Are you keeping the 10%? Because if you are, you're doing the exact same thing because you're taking what belongs in that box. It's still theft. still theft. And we're becoming thieves and giving the Satan, giving Satan the right to enter into us. It's an open door. And again, many people don't tithe simply because of this third point. They simply fear. And I think that was Judas's problem. I think Judas came to the point where he realized he's not setting up an earthly kingdom. What am I going to do? I need to get my, I, I need to be setting aside for the future. And I'm not talking about not being good stewards and, and, and savings and that sort of thing. We do do that. But he was taking what was, what was God because he didn't believe he was going to have enough. That's what was in his heart. That's what was in his heart. Matthew 26, 15, Judas said, what are you willing to give me? And by the way, again, he was t- taking the tithe. Let me show this to you because I'm going to show you something here I think you probably never thought of. Judas said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? 
and they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. Remember, he goes to the priests. All right, he's going to the priests for this. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful. And this is Matthew 27, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead to 27.3. And brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what's that to us? You see it to it. In other words, your problem, your problem. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went away and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. Where do you think they got the 30 pieces of silver from in the first place? Treasury. Think about this. They took the tithe that belonged to God to betray God. I'm giving you a because I want that to sink in. I want it to sink in. Now I'm going to tell you something that maybe you've, again, never thought of. Again, I'm repeating it. They took the tithe to betray Jesus. And most of us would sit here and think, but I would never do that. But would you betray Jesus for 10%? Would you do that? And if you would, that's what this whole series is about. You're opening a door. You're opening a door. So I'm going to close with this. And by the way, do you know what the 30 pieces of silver actually was, what it was? Where did I get that from? This is, this is amazing. Exodus 21, 23. If the ox gores a male or a female servant, he shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. So we know 30 pieces of silver was the price of a slave. The price of a slave. And we're talking about believers being in bondage, aren't we? Listen, they betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and it was the tithe. It was, again, it was the price of bondage. When you don't return to God what belongs to God, you become a slave. You become a slave. And I'm not preaching because I want more money for this church. You people who have been here for a while, you know me better than that. But I don't want to see any of you in bondage. Ever. Ever. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for all of you as, as a group here in just a second, and I'm gonna ask those uh, on the, the altar team to go ahead and come up front right now. Um, but after I'm, I'm done praying and the service will be over with, but if you need prayer for anything, and we've been talking about finances, so I imagine right now it's probably on somebody's mind. But if you have a health need, I, wa- I want you to come up front 
if you have a relationship need, if you have a, a marriage need, I, you know what the need is, you fill in the blank. There's probably so many needs I could sit here for the next 30 minutes, which I won't, and try to fill in blanks for you. But you know what your need is. Come up and let somebody pray with you. Let us agree with you. Let us agree with you. Because I know the Lord can meet that need. But I'm gonna ask you to do something. This might be a little hard for you, but I would imagine, as I was sharing today, maybe some of you had your hearts pricked a little bit in some areas. And it might be on tithe, maybe it's something else, where you realize, hey, uh, I haven't been taking care of my business with the Lord. And at the same time, you realize in this hand, I haven't been doing this, in this hand over here, I, I have a need. What I'm gonna ask these people up here to do with you, and you haven't got to get overly personal, I would suggest you let somebody agree with you and renounce that thing that you know that you have been disobedient in. Just, just, just renounce it. Renounce it is just, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You, you, you've helped me realize. You brought to my attention something that I haven't dealt with. And starting today, I want to change my mind on this. I, I want to I start thinking of things differently. So I renounce my disobedience and my heart and my desire is to walk in obedience to you. Renounce what has been incorrect in your life and then right behind that, say, Lord, would you please now bless me as I try to walk out in this righteousness with you. Would you please bless this area of my life? Not that he's the cosmic Santa Claus, but it's because we know that if we're disobedient, we can be robbing ourselves from blessing. And we want the blessing, don't we? I don't know about you. Some people might sit there and go, well, I don't, that's kind of really religious. Hey, God wants us to be blessed. We're told all through scripture, so much in scripture just about that topic. He wants to bless us. Why wouldn't we want to be blessed? And I, again, I'm not, uh, this is not a name it, claim it theology. I don't, I don't believe that. But I do believe I have a heavenly father who wants to bless me. And sometimes maybe the blessing could be my health. Uh, m- m- maybe the blessing just might be that, hey, you know what? I noticed that this last, in this next couple of weeks, all of a sudden, my wife and I, we have a great relationship, but we seem to be drawing closer. There, there's a, a, I just realized we just went to another intimacy, and I don't know why. That's because my father said, you know what? I'm going to do something you can't do. And I'm trying to tell you, he's got something for every one of you. But you got to come to him first. And he's right there waiting for you. So I'm going to pray for you. There's already one person I already talked to because that person I want specific prayer for. And they're going to come up because they have a need. But please, 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 don't think that there's anything that you're dealing with that you can't receive prayer for. We got some college kids here. I know they got finals coming up. I know the anxiety over some of that. So I would encourage you, if any of you are dealing with that, come up and somebody pray with you. The Lord wants to help you with your finals. Believe it or not, he actually is interested. More, more, more so than anything, he's interested in showing you that, hey, I'm interested in the, the small affairs of your life. And I'll bless you. I don't mean to single out the college kids, but I, think, I hope you see what I'm saying. Sometimes we, we kind of poo-poo our need and think, oh, well, it's not much. There's starving people in China. Well, there's needy people right here in this room. So let us come up and, come up and pray for you, okay? Make sure you lift out your hands like this. Father, I pray for everybody here in this room right now. 
probably some that are dealing with some things that they feel are just absolutely insurmountable. Broken relationships. Could be drug or alcoholism issues. Maybe they're in bondage to some sort of sexual sin or some other sin. Father, I pray for every person right here. Holy Spirit, I pray for each person that you will move upon them right where they are in their heart and convince them. Draw them up front to you, Lord, so that you can bless them. I pray for physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, healings of wounds, that they may be healed. Because you are a God who binds up our wounds. I pray for everybody here in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. So if you need prayer, come on up front. Let us pray with you. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Have a very, very blessed day. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church.